Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. There we go. Oh, man, it's good to be together today. I want to say uh, just a welcome from me. I'm so glad uh, that you're here today. I know we have a lot of people who are traveling, but that means a lot of people are here today, and maybe you're here for the first time. So let me say, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we, are, we are so glad that you are here with us today to worship King Jesus. And just so you know, we are not perfect. Uh, we're far from it. We, we have to remind ourselves of that. But it's so true. If you're looking for a church full of perfect people, uh, keep looking. Uh, but if you are far from perfect and welcome, you are among friends. And we are really glad that you're here. And we're just a group of people that are trying to live different because of Jesus. And that's what we hope to do today in our time together is just think more about him and his word and his heart and his calling in our lives. And we hope, uh, like we said at the very beginning, that it, every day, every week, we are being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. I'm glad you're here today because today we're starting a new series on prayer uh, from the book of Psalms called Just Ask. And uh, I think it's going to be a great series for us. If you've ever struggled with knowing how to pray or ever struggled with knowing what to pray or ever struggled with questions in prayer, like the really big questions that you don't know where else to turn to, or maybe if, if you don't even know if God is listening when you pray, then I think this series is going to benefit you. I want to say up front, we're not going to try to answer those questions. Uh, the hardest questions we have, we're going to talk about them, but I want you to know that, that we don't pretend to have any answers. We don't pretend that we've discovered some magical prayer, and if you'll just pray this, that it will, you know, give you health and wealth and make your life better and give you the best life ever. That's not what this series is about. Um, this series is more about just turning to God with those questions. I think one of the things that we learn from the Psalms, one of the things I love about the Psalms is that in the Psalms you see people just like you and me who are turning to God with some of their biggest questions. And I really believe prayer, especially something we learn from the Psalms, prayer, prayer is so much more about presence than it ever is about answers. It's about you stepping into the presence of God. It's about God humbling himself. And, and if you can believe this, entering into your presence when you need him most, it's just about, it's just about presence. But what about those hard questions that you have. Here's what we want to do. As we, as we begin this series, I'm going to ask some of our people to come down the aisles and pass out baskets. They've got, there, there's just paper in there. You may have to tear off a page if you guys want to come on down and start handing those out. And there's pencils uh, if you need a, something to write with. What I'd like to ask you to do while I'm speaking today, I want everyone to do this, man, woman, old, young, boy, you know, whatever. Uh, take, take a piece of paper, take a pencil, and at some point during the message this morning, write down one of those hard questions for God. I'd love for everyone to do this. We're going to collect these in a little bit, but I'd love for everyone to write down that question. Uh, maybe you're wondering, you know, God, where are you? Like we've sung this morning. Maybe you're wondering how long, oh Lord, is this present situation going to last? Maybe you're wondering what in the world is going on right now, God? Maybe you're wondering, you know, what, you know where are you when I need you? Or, or are you working in the middle of the mess that I'm in right now? Whatever question it is, there's no limits, there's really no rules. But whatever question you have for God, I'd love for you to write those down. And in a little while, we'll collect those. Uh, and we'll go through those together uh, later on. The reason that's important is because I believe this is true. That while we're not trying to answer all your questions today or even through this series, I do believe this is true. That time spent in prayer is time spent in the presence of God. And there simply is no substitute for time spent in prayer. Yet I know it's one of those things that so many of us struggle with so often. I love 
uh, I don't know how many of you follow a guy by the name of Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt is a, uh, he was a publisher. He's a, a successful entrepreneur and businessman. But he says this. He says that, that the quiet time you spend with God in the morning, reading your Bible and get this praying, that time will calm you and prepare you for the day. I find it so interesting that this guy who is so successful in the world around us places such a high priority on the Bible, on Scripture, and prayer. Some of you may know of a, of, a, of a guy who's been dead for a lot of years now named Martin Luther, who was a famous German theologian. And I love this because I think that this resonates with us. He said the busier he got, the more time he had to spend in prayer. His quote was this, I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer just to get it all done. <laughs> don't you love that? Some of us, what we say is we're too busy to pray. We've got so much going on, we don't have time to pray. You know, we wake up early to maybe get in 10 minutes of prayer before we start our day because we're so busy. This guy says, I'm so busy it's going to take me three hours to pray through it before I even get started so I can get it all done. And, of course, I love almost everything Martin Luther King Jr. says, and he said this one time, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing, <laughs> right? For us, for those of us in the room today who are followers of Jesus, who claim to walk with God, prayer is so important. We're calling this series Just Ask because... You know, we live in a world where if you have a question, all you have to do is ask a device. You know, I can just hold up my phone and say, hey, Siri, and, like, you know, you're actually just woke up. It wanted to know something. You know, I probably woke up a lot of phones right there. It'll, it'll, all you have to do is say, hey, Siri, and it will pop up and, and try to answer whatever question you have. The other day I was riding in the, the truck with my daughter, Emma. Check, check, am I on? All right, good. And I was riding in the car with Emma, and... She spoke up and she said, um, she said, Dad, what does is, what is Siri look like? I mean, normally kids ask, you know, what does God look like? And here my daughter is asking, you know, what does Siri look like? I, I don't know. I don't know, honey. I was like, what do you think Siri looks like? You think she looks like mom? She's like, yeah, I think she does. <laughs> is that because your mom is smart? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's it. Yeah. I don't know what Siri looks like, but I know that if I need something, I can just ask Siri, and she'll tell me the answer to most of the questions I, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking for. Or some of you may have a device like this, the device called Google Home, you know, because opening up your computer, finding a search engine, you know, taking out your iPad or your phone, and the arduous task, the extremely difficult task of typing your question into a search engine is so much to ask of somebody. But now, you don't have to do that. We've cut out the middle man. You can just ask Google Home, you know, whatever, you know, what's the weather today or who won the ball game last night, and it will tell you. Or maybe you've got one of these. Some of you have these. If you have uh, Amazon Echo, let me see a show of hands. Some of you have these. Yeah, you love these things. They're awesome. Yeah, you can just ask Alexa something, and, and again, she'll give you the answers that you're looking for. And so just as a public service announcement, I wanted to show you what one of these devices could do. So take a second and watch this uh, short video. Let's watch this. Alexa, alarm off. Alexa, what's on the calendar today? You have 12 events scheduled. Alexa, call me an Uber. Your Uber will arrive in two minutes. Alexa, what's the weather like today? There's a 100% chance of showers. Alexa, pair my Bluetooth speaker. Okay, paired. Alexa, it's time to reorder some paper towels. Okay, order placed. And Alexa, play my garage music. Playing your garage playlist from Prime Music. 
Alexa, play some jazz. Playing smooth jazz from Prime Music. Alexa, who's this? This is Picnic Basket by Lollitone. Alexa, turn that up. Alexa, ask Domino's to send me my last order. Okay, order placed. Hey, isn't that Jason Schwartzman? No, that's not him. I would know if that was him. I'm pretty sure it's him. Okay, Alexa, who stars in Mozart in the Jungle? Stars include Malcolm McDowell, Jason Schwartzman. Ha! See? That <laughs> was right. Alexa, change the bedroom temperature to 65 degrees. Okay. Alexa, lights off. Okay. Alexa, good night. Good night. Sleep tight. So go ahead and open up your Amazon app and get one of those. And by the time you get home, it'll be there and our lives will be better. Let's pray. No. Uh, isn't that cool? I, I may need another mic, DJ. You got something I can hit? Yeah, for whatever reason, uh, you know, when we have questions like that, we can turn to a device and get quick answers. But what do we do? What do we do with those questions that just aren't so easy to answer? Uh, the truth is, you and I, we could right now, you could open up Siri and you could ask Siri some of those hard questions, you know? We can ask Siri, you know, where in the world is God? We can ask, you know, Google Home, why are my parents getting a divorce? We can ask Alexa, why did I lose my job? But you and I both know that when we ask our devices those kinds of questions that we're not going to get the kind of answers we're looking for. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you are someone who claims to know God and is trying to walk with God, the good news is that the people of God has, have always turned to God with those questions, but they're not easy questions. And what if you're in the room today and you, you don't believe in Jesus? What about people who don't believe in God or have much faith in God? The truth is I don't know where you turn if you don't believe in God with questions like those. But I do know this. And if you're in here and you're not a believer in Jesus and you, 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 you're here today because you're with family and you're visiting, I'm glad you're here because I want you to hear this, that this is true. That you don't have to believe in God to pray. You don't have to have your faith figured out to talk to God. What we know is true from Scripture and, and throughout the centuries is that if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And there is no prerequisite for that. So if you're someone who is not sure about the whole God thing or about faith or about Jesus or about any of that, I want you to know that when you have those hard questions, you can turn to God. For those of us who do know God, we can take those same questions to God. But the problem is, and you know this, if you follow Jesus for any years, if you've ever spent any time in prayer, you know this is true. Because even as people who have faith in God, who believe in Jesus and who, who are all in with a church thing, what happens is that sometimes it's hard to pray. What happens is that sometimes we pray and it feels like God is distant. What happens is that we pray and it feels like our prayers hit the ceiling, that we pray, we talk to God, but no one seems to answer. We're praying, we're doing all the right things, we're living the right kind of life, but things aren't getting any better and we're wondering, where is God? Ever felt that way? I know I have. And again, the good news is that if you've ever felt that way, you're not alone. You're not alone. People who have walked with God and who have believed in Jesus for a lot of years have had the exact same experience. They call it 
the dark night of the soul, or they call it the prayer of the forsaken. They call it the cloud of a knowing. They call it Deus Ascanditas, literally the God who is hidden. So much has been written about this experience. And, and I want to be clear, it's not the literal absence of God in your life, but it is the profound sense that God is nowhere to be found. And chances are, if you have followed Jesus for any length of time, if you've spent any amount of time in prayer, that you've felt this, you've experienced this, you've felt distance from God. Again, the good news is that you're not alone. Even during the days of Jesus, it was, it was remarkable. People experienced this. People felt this way. It was, it was the most amazing thing. But, you know, Jesus, he had friends. He had friends named Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Lazarus got sick. Lazarus dies. Jesus shows up two days late. And Mary and Martha, their question, where were you? Where were you? Where were you when, when our brother was sick and dying? Where was God when we needed him most? Paul, a person who, who planted churches, who wrote half your New Testament. Paul, who, who could heal sick people. He had that ability, that spiritual power. Paul, who, who, you know, just an amazing person. He literally saw Jesus on the road to a city called Damascus once upon a time, and it changed his life forever. Paul wrote about a time when he had what he called a thorn in the flesh. We don't even know what that was, but he was crying out to God. This man who could heal others couldn't heal himself. This man, he was crying out to God for help to remove him from the situation or this pain or this affliction, whatever it was. And there was no answer. There was no response. So if you've ever felt distant from God, if you've ever prayed and you wonder why God isn't answering, I just want you to know before we even open the Bible today. You're not alone. You're not alone. So we look at Psalm 42 that Gwen read earlier, and if you have a Bible or device, if you want to open that up or turn that on, I want us to look through this psalm again, and I want us to think about what it means when we come to God with some of those, some of those questions that are so hard to answer. In Psalm 42, we read the prayer of someone that's probably a lot like you and me. And the writer of this psalm says this, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, for the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? This is, this is the prayer. You get this, right? This is the prayer of someone who feels distant from God. You, you, don't, you don't long for something you have. You're not thirsty when you, have a, when you have a gallon of water in your hand, right? This is someone who has felt the presence of God, but right now in this moment feels far from God. And what's really amazing to me is that even in this moment when he's crying out to God, longing for God, wanting to be in his presence again, he never for a second doubts the person of God, Right? I mean, it's to the point where the people around him, the, the, those who are coming against him, his enemies are kind of making fun of him and taunting him, saying, yeah, we know you believe in God, but where is this God of yours? Yeah, we see your suffering and your pain, and you're crying out to God, but where is he? Does he is he real? Does he even exist? But, but, but get this, and I want you to hear this, that this person writing this psalm, praying this prayer, even though 
even though he's not experiencing in, his immediate, in this immediate moment the presence of God, never for a moment doubts the person of God. And it makes me wonder because I know so many times when we struggle, so many times when it feels like God is far away, so many times when we pray and it feels like our prayers hit the ceiling, so many times we are so quick to write God off. I used to tell people that I didn't believe in Wyoming. I've never been to Wyoming. I've, I've never met anyone from Wyoming. Maybe some of you say you're from Wyoming. I don't know if I can trust you, but you may believe that, you know. I don't know what comes from Wyoming. Texas has got oil. Wisconsin has cheese. Alabama has cotton. What comes from Wyoming? I have no earthly idea. As far as I know, it's a government conspiracy, right? That, that's crazy, right? Just because I've never seen Wyoming doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because I've never seen any evidence of Wyoming doesn't mean it isn't real. But we apply that same logic to God all the time. We can't see him. He must not be real. Right now in this immediate moment when I need him most, I don't see any evidence of of his existence. So he must not be there. So many times we're so quick to write God off. But what I love about the psalmist here is while they're struggling to feel feel the presence of God, they don't for a moment doubt the person of God. And so he prays, my heart is breaking. As I remember how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. There was a time, there was a time when God felt so close, like I could reach out and touch him. And I, and I think we have to be honest about this, church, that there are times, and I, and I hope you felt this, I felt this, not all the time, but I, I felt this from time to time, where it felt like it was a mountaintop experience where I felt like God was so close, I could reach out. And touch them. But then there were other times. There have been other times. When I've longed for God and looked for God and prayed for God. And it seems like he was nowhere to be found. There's going to be times when God feels far away. If you don't believe that, ask people like David or Moses or Elijah or Peter or Paul. It's, it's so uh, interesting that every like person that we hold up as a hero of faith in Scripture, every one of them experienced a time of feeling distant from God. So the psalmist continues his prayer. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise him again, my Savior and my God. Like every great song, this song has a chorus, and I want you to hear this chorus. Why am I so sad? Why am I so discouraged? I will put my hope in God, my Savior and my God. This, this is a song that, that was sung. This is a prayer that was prayed as the people of God walked up to the temple of God to worship God. And it was a song, it was a psalm that parents would teach their children, that grandparents would keep, teach their grandchildren. This reminder that there will be times when God feels distance, but there, even in those moments, we're going to praise God, we're going to worship God. So he says, now I am deeply discouraged but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar, even even from the farthest place from Jerusalem, from the place of the presence of God, I'll remember you as I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. And this is the hardest part, isn't it, church? When you're in the middle of the mess, when it feels like you're drowning because the waters are sweeping over you, and you know what kills us? This is what kills me. It may not, maybe not you. What kills me is not knowing. 
I feel like if I just knew how it was going to work out, if I just knew how it was going to go, then maybe, just maybe, it would be okay. But not knowing, it feels like I'm drowning. For people like us that like control, that, that, that love power, they just want to know how it's going to go. Not knowing and having faith in the middle of that moment where the, the waters are right over your head. It feels like you're drowning. Not knowing. Verse 8, but each day, the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night, I sing a songs, praying to the one, praying to God, who gives me life. Here's what I believe the psalmist teaches us about prayer. That in the middle of life's difficult, most difficult moments, what we come back to is worship. What we come back to is what we know is true. It's like an anchor for us. That even when we don't know how the story or how this chapter is going to end, we come back to what we do know. We, we come back to the, to the belief, to the faith that God is exactly who he says he is, and he can do exactly what he says he can do, that he is good, that he is kind, that he is faithful, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. And I want to caution you to be careful not to withdraw your worship when things aren't going your way. Don't withdraw your worship from God when you feel like God is not near. If you were to withdraw your worship from God because you're praying and it feels like he's not answering, because you're asking him to move and he's not moving, what does that say about who is really the God of your life? I'm not saying this is why this happens. It's a great mystery why sometimes God feels distant. But I think one of the things that you and I can learn in the middle of these seasons, if you're going through it right now, I think this is one of those things we can always remember. We cannot manage God. God doesn't have to jump when we say jump. God is not a genie in a bottle waiting to grant our three wishes. That's not who God is. And I think sometimes when God feels distant, it's a, it's a powerful reminder of who God is and who we are and who we are not. And again, for those of us who love it when we say jump when someone jumps, it's hard when we pray and we ask God to move, and it doesn't seem like he's moving. And I want you to hear me because I truly believe in the depth of my heart that God is who he says he is, that he hears every prayer you pray. I truly believe that God is always working for your good and for his ultimate glory, even though sometimes we can't see it, even though oftentimes it's in invisible ways. But I want you to know this, that while God wants to serve you, which is an amazing truth as well, he is not your servant, not in the sense that you command you have command over him. He chooses to humble himself and to serve us, which is an amazing and profound truth. But he is not subject to us. He is God. And when we worship him, when we remain near, even when it feels like he is not near, we decide and we declare who is on the throne of our hearts. What we do in worship when God feels distant, this is, this is so true, is we proclaim that we, we love God for who he is, not just for what he has done. That we love the giver of the gifts and not just the gifts. And that is something, church, we have to do. Amen? That we remain near even when it feels like God is not near. That we worship God just for who he is, not just for what he has done.
Should we praise him when he blesses us? Absolutely, but we praise him anyway because of who he is. Because of who he is. And then we can say, even in our anguish, oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me again? Where are you, God? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Even in the middle of all of it, we can say when we stay in worship, when we stay near, even when he feels not near, we can say this, I put my hope in God. I'll praise him again, my Savior and my God. We can say that even in the middle of perceived absence, that our faith will be an unshakable faith, that our faith is not a what have you done for me lately faith, but our faith is a faith in the person of God even when we can't feel the presence of God. About six years ago, uh, Alicia and I were at the hospital, and uh, we were getting ready for Emma to be born, our, our third child. And um, I asked, I wanted to make sure I could share the story before I did, so I asked her uh, last night when it was too late to say no. And <laughs> my wife, Alicia, one of the things you may or may not know about her, and it's not a big deal, but she's one of those people, like maybe some of you, who is deathly scared of needles, like, you know, getting poked, stuck, prodded, all that, not fun. And so since the time we were dating and got married, we always had this deal that we, you know, when we have to go to the doctor, the hospital for anything, and if she has to have blood work done or have a shot or whatever, we have a system. You know, we take our, our phone and the headphones, she puts the headphones in, and I turn on some worship music, and, and I grab her hand, and the nurse talks to me, and then I kind of make eye contact and, you know, signals to Alicia so she knows what's coming and when to squeeze my hand and bear through it to get it done, right? And it's been our system for almost, you know, 18, 20 years now. We're in the hospital. Emma's born. She's perfectly healthy and fine, but, but Alicia's having some complications. So they decide they have to put the IV back in her arm, which was not, not what she wanted to hear. So I go over. I'm like, it's going to be okay, babe. I put the earphones in her ears. I turn on the music. I grab her hand. You know, they get it done. But almost immediately, the doctor comes in and is like, okay, we got to do something else. And so they will Alicia out of the room, and they leave me standing there with my newborn baby and like a cart full of presents that people have brought. And I'm like, what just happened? This is not going the way it was supposed to go. Ever had that moment? This is not working out the way I had it planned. They rush her out to do a procedure or something. I don't even know what. And I'm left with my newborn in these presents alone in this hospital room. And then a nurse comes and informs me, sir, you got to leave. We need this room for somebody else. Okay. So the nurses take Emma off to the nursery to do the normal stuff they do to newborn babies. And I push the gifts out to the lobby. And there were people there, but I didn't want to be with anybody. You're, you know what I'm talking about? So I just drop all the stuff. And I walk to the bathroom. And I went into a stall and closed the door just so I could be alone. And I distinctly remember just pounding the bathroom wall. And this was my prayer. Where are you, God? We need you, God. Where are you, God? And it was in that moment of silence. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm just crying out to God. Some of you have done this before, too. And I hear this song. I'm like, where is that coming from? Like, I'm literally looking up to heaven. I'm like, God, are you like, what's what is that music? And there's no speakers in the bathroom, so I'm like, what, where is this coming from? And then it dawns, I mean, it's one of our favorite songs, a song some of you know by Chrissy Knuckles called Waiting Here for You. And I realize 
I had never cut the, my phone off, the music off of my phone, so it's still like belting through the headphones that are hanging out of my pocket. And I hear Christy's beautiful voice singing these words in the men's bathroom. <laughs> Waiting here for you with our hands lifted high in praise. And it's you we adore. Singing hallelujah. It's a song about the presence of God. It's a song about meeting God. And the chorus is a statement of faith in the middle of the uncertainty of the moment. I'm just going to wait here for you, God. With my hands lifted high worship. Church, I don't have the answer to this question. I don't know where God is when we need him most and why sometimes he feels so profoundly absent. But I know this is true. That even when God feels far away, he's always near. And I want to encourage you today that if, if you're struggling right now, if you're praying this question, if you're asking, God, where are you? I just want to encourage you to stay. Stay in the presence of God. Even if you don't feel his presence, stay in his presence in prayer. Trusting what you know is true, the fact that he has said his words are true, that he will never leave us or forsake us. So even when you don't feel him, you hold on to what you know is true, and you stay near even when he is not near. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. I want to invite the praise team back to the stage because this is what I want to, want to do next. I hope you have that card, and I hope you wrote down a question. I hope everybody did that. I'm going to ask the praise team to sing a song. It's a new song. You may or may not know it, but as they sing this song, I want everyone, literally, I want everyone to move I've asked our elders to be around the room, and they've got baskets. Their wives are with them if they're here. And, and what I'd like you to do is real simple. Just take that question and put it in a basket. Take that question, and in a very literal way, just place it in that basket. And symbolically, we're just giving this over to God in this moment, asking our shepherds of this church, these men of God that you have appointed to be, to be mediators for us. Put these questions in those baskets and you can come back to your seats and we're going to sing a couple songs before we're done. But I want you to know again, if you've ever felt, and if you feel right now far from God, you're not alone. Jesus, even on the cross, Jesus, when he's paying the price for sin and conquering death so that we would never have to feel separate from God again, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus asked, where are you, God? So if you feel distant from God, just know you are not alone. And even when it feels like God is far away, he really is near. He really is near. We're going to sing this song. Let me ask you to take these questions to one of our shepherds, and let's sing.